0: Hello, babies. How are you? I'm all right, me. I cannot stand winter, but you know, I'm pushing through like all the other winters of my life. And unfortunately, I am in a romance reading slump, which has sent me on some kind of spiral. Uh, Not really, but you know, romance is life. But I am reading other things like Jamie Attenberg's memoir, I Came All This Way to Meet You, which is really good. And I'm going back through some old favorites by Bell Hooks, may she rest in peace, called Wounds of Passion. Both of these books uh, focus on the writing life. And I guess that's kind of what I need right now as I try to tackle my next project or two. You know, I've always wanted to be a writer, at least since I was seven years old. Books hold a very special place in my life. And like many other people, who love reading, I end up collecting books more than I read, which is fine. You know, it is impossible to read all the good books out there. I tend to treat my books both with and without reverence. Uh, so like I dog ear pages, which I know is a crime for a lot of people, but I also do do not lend out my books. I, I keep them very close to me. Uh, even if I don't like a book, I will not give it away. I keep a section on my bookshelves that's for multiple copies. And I say that I'm going to give away the duplicates, but I hardly ever do. <laughs> I'm just like, you know, they're mine. They're so precious. I don't want to do anything with them, but I will dog ear the hell out of them. Um, so when my friend Lenore Mamana told me she recently started painting in books, I was like, oh, yes, you have to come talk about that. <laughs> Lenore is a photo editor in media and publishing with an amazing newsletter called Leave It to Lenore that I never miss. Hearing Lenore talk about this self-care practice of painting books with watercolors was fascinating. This episode is sponsored by Brooklinen. You made it through the holiday season, and that means one thing. It's time to treat yourself. Gift yourself the comfort and relaxation you deserve with Brooklinen's lineup of cozy bedding and beautiful home essentials made for me time. If you're looking for a more comfy comforter, Brooklinen is the place to go. They come in lightweight, all season and ultra warm to suit every type of sleeper and lifestyle. There's even a weighted comforter option for stress relief. Rest assured that with Brooklinen's fair pricing, their home essentials just look and feel like a million bucks. Refresh your rest with the comfort essentials from Brooklinen. Go to brooklinen.com and use promo code THISISGOOD for $20 off with a minimum purchase of $100. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com and enter promo code THISISGOOD for $20 off your purchase. That's brooklinen.com, promo code THISISGOOD. And we're sponsored by Best Women's Erotica of the Year. Best Women's Erotica of the Year, Volume 7, features the hottest erotic stories by popular authors such as Lucy Eaton, Adriana Herrera, Erin McClellan, Angelina M. Lopez, Holly Trent, Sarah Taylor Woods, and many others, edited by the award-winning Rachel Kramer Bussell dive into 20 new varied erotic short stories on the theme of surprise from fantasies to fetishes to sci-fi all short enough to enjoy even if you don't have a lot of time they're doing a giveaway of the new anthology on instagram at best women's erotica through february 14th if you comment with this is good you get an extra entry Best Women's Erotica of the Year, Volume 7, edited by Rachel Kramer Bussell, is now out in print, ebook, and audiobook wherever you buy books. <laughs> a favor please and introduce yourself and let you know whatever you want the audience to know about you.
1: My name is Lenorma Mana. I am a photo editor uh, as my day job um, and a person who pursues many many side projects in my free time when I am not chasing around a two and a half year old daughter that I have.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh she's so big now. Oh um... <laughs> <laughs> So today we are going to talk about one of those mini side projects (laughs) that you recently started. Uh, Go ahead and tell us uh, what we're going to talk about today.
1: Okay. So I'm even hesitating to call it a project because I am trying to be super chill, like very non-Type A about this, but I've taken up painting, very specifically watercolor painting in books, like not on canvas, but like in a book.
0: And when you say in a book, you mean an actual like book that we read, and you're just covering over the words with watercolors,
1: Nicole. It goes against absolutely everything I've ever believed in in my entire life.
0: But <laughs> here I am. How did you get started with the watercolors?
1: Yeah, you can blame my best friend Kate Crawford is an artist, like a legitimate artist with like a legitimate artist practice and. She does large format painting and small format painting, and she's just like genuinely talented. And for the last decade or so that we've been friends, she and I always do like really casual arts and crafts when we are together, collaging and uh, embossing and all this sort of stuff. And for years, she has been, um, she painted in her journals, in her old journals, and she painted in books. I'm the kind of person who like in college, it was really hard for me to underline stuff in textbooks because I was freaked, freaked out about drawing in books. So this was never something that particularly held an appeal for me. But then she gave me most perfect tiny little set of watercolors. It's in this tiny little tin that's about two inches by three inches. It has eight little perfect colors. They're so cute. And she gave them to me for my birthday. And I wanted to do something where I wasn't thinking because I am, I'm a type A, I'm a first born daughter to immigrant parents. So (laughs) I'm a double Virgo, if you believe in those sorts of things. (laughs) And so even my hobbies are really like a lot of work, right? I publish zines and some of these hobbies become jobs and even knitting. I can't turn off my brain when I'm knitting. I, I just can't turn off my brain when I do these hobbies. And so I wanted something that I really could just turn off my brain. And so I started painting. And it took me a while from getting the paints to painting because I couldn't decide on the book. And Kate kept saying to me, it can't be a book that means anything to you. I was like, oh, let me go through this stack of books that I was going to donate anyway, that I never read, that I have finally decided I'm never going to read. And that has no significance to me whatsoever. And it's this, I'm not going to shout it out because then I feel bad. <laughs> but it's a, it's a small book. And she was right. Like, I don't care about what's in that book, right? Like I'm reading it slowly now as I paint over it. And I'm like, oh yeah, this book does not actually hold interest to me narratively. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. I'm not a good artist. Like I, this is not a thing that I'm good at. This mm-hmm. is not a skill that I think that I have. I'm the sort of person, like if I draw a circle, I need to erase it and redraw it because it's not perfect. Yeah, <laughs> a perfectionist. So this has been freeing in a way that I don't know that any of my hobbies ever have been because I just am not, I'm not trying to like get something out of it. I'm not trying to like, oh, these are going to be so beautiful and I'm going to share them with my friends. This is not going to be like a side hustle of any kind. This is just like, I've had an exhausting day of parenting and working one of my 6011 jobs. I'm just going to sit here with like, I have one of those fancy yogurt glass containers that I use Mm -hmm. with my little water. I have my little brushes and I just like paint and I have these watercolor pencils and sometimes I'll draw on the page first and then I'll paint on top or I'll paint afterwards when it's dry. It also requires me to have patience, which is another thing like I do not have. <laughs> <laughs> I have to let the page dry before I can move on to the other ones. And so it basically goes against every aspect of my being to do any of these things. And for some reason it has absolutely clicked and is amazing.
0: I am here for it uh, because I am not an artist in that way. Like, I can't draw a straight line. I have never even been able to like do a cat eye, you know, eyeliner, anything like that. But you know, I've started collecting adult coloring books and using colored pencils to do that kind of stuff. And that's been really soothing and just kind of delightful in a different way than I thought. Like, I still get a little anxious because I'm like, oh, I'm coloring outside of the lines. And then I just kind of have to pull myself back and be like, you know what? Because that's who you are, Nicole. You color outside (laughs) of the lines.
1: (laughs) My version of that is always, because I've also got, like, I got into the adult coloring book thing too, was like, Oh, those colors don't go together. Oh, that doesn't look good together. That combination doesn't work. That was my version of overthinking the coloring. And I've been able to turn that off here too. I don't know what happened. Maybe it's just like broken pandemic brain like has (laughs) opened me up, but
0: (laughs) I don't know. And so when you're painting in the books, are you painting forms? Are you just like, this is a pretty color here. This is a pretty color here. What exactly are you painting?
1: Yeah. I'm sometimes I'm filling the page just with a color that I'm like really into that day. Sometimes I'm doing some stripes. Sometimes I'm doing circles. I never do a form that I think would, it takes more talent than I have. Um, it can't be anything that people would recognize (laughs) because then I would start overthinking it. Right. And then often I'll like do a lot of, you know, like the doodles you would do in, High school like the mm-hmm. circles and the little like lines and squiggly lines like that kind of thing where you're like really bored in class like i'll do a lot of that and like fill in between or color on top so nothing recognizable Mm-hmm. Sometimes color combinations that in my head work and sometimes they don't. And that's okay too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> because with you, you talked about uh, needing the patience to let the page dry because watercolors are sort of thin and obviously based on their names, watery. And you have to be very careful with how you're putting them on the page. At least that's what I remember from eons ago in, yeah. in school. So do you then go back to the page? like If you see if a uh, color isn't as dark as you want it or not as intense as you want it. Do you go back to the page after it's dry or do you just automatically move on to something else?
1: I've been moving on to something else. I will occasionally like sort of forward think. So if I'm in like a a mood where I'm drawing, like I'll like color a couple pages with the pencils so that later I will be painting on top of them. But mm-hmm. I haven't gone back to analyze. I mean, this is so crazy. This is, this is like, I'm a pod person because this is not who I am. Like (laughs) I, I don't even, I barely go back to look at it, to analyze it or like break it down. I'll take some pictures and send them to Kate, but I don't go back to say, oh, this should have more polka dots where this should have more saturation. Like,
0: But I, I think that's beautiful still because <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, this, I got what I needed from this and now I need to move on to see what else I can get from it. Um, and are you still in the same, this, the first book that you were coloring in?
1: Yeah. I'm a little bit afraid to finish this book because I think, I hope that I've learned not to overthink it, but I don't have that many books that I would consider quote unquote, dispensable in this way. And I definitely had a moment where I was like, I got to go to one of the like, used bookstores where they have the dollar racks where it's just like random books. Mm-hmm. And maybe that will be how I pick my next book, but I'm still solidly in this one just because I can't do that many pages at a time because of the drawing.
0: Right. And I mean, you could probably also go to like Goodwill or Salvation Army or something like that for books that have been donated. and yeah or aren't anything that you would normally read. Um, And you mentioned that you have a toddler daughter. Is this also, do you get to spend time with her when she's like finger painting or doing anything like that? And like, this is also your time to be artsy with her? Well, I
1: don't, so this part I do by myself. This is like a night time (laughs) when she's asleep situation. She, of course, as a toddler tends to be, loves coloring, loves painting, loves anything messy um so we do a lot of that and it's always it's just dramatic because she's like mama draw me a cat and I'm like oh god I'll try (laughs) and all of my animals look the same but they have different ears I'm just like that's how you're going to be able to tell the difference kid I don't know what to tell you (laughs) a spot goes on the cow that's how you know it's a cow (laughs) um so this has been very much me time by myself no kid no partner
0: nothing just like quiet zone and out time for me. Mm. So you talked about being type A and needing perfection and letting that go. How, I mean, this is a little bit of a tangent, Mm -hmm. but how have you learned to let go of being type A as a parent?
1: Yeah, it's funny. I mean, not that you don't have a choice, but so many things are out of your control as a parent. (laughs) It's unbelievable. Really from the moment, if you or a person who gets pregnant, like from the moment you're pregnant, like your body is just doing what it's going to do, and you're not in control really. And so there's a very steep learning curve, and it just it keeps going, and and you keep thinking like, oh, I got a handle on this one thing, and then it changes. And so you just kind of have to let go of that control because there's no way of predicting or knowing or being able to follow along because it just by nature, like your kid is growing and therefore changing and you have to let go. It it is a really hard and difficult thing. And I talk about it with my sisters a lot because they're both parents and letting go of that perfectionism and the type A thing is, is really hard, but Mm.
0: it's inevitable. I think I mean, I'm sure there are people who don't let go and good luck to them. Yeah. <laughs> I think they probably end up causing more damage than they think that they do. Exactly. Um and so what do you want to do with this book once it's filled up completely, even before you think about your next project or next book or whatever, will you keep the book or will you also just kind of put it out on the stoop? Like it's yours if you want it. Like is it still um legible? Like can you still read it? You can still
1: read it. You can definitely still read a lot of it um, because by virtue of being a watercolor, it's very, for the most part, even the most saturated page is very legible. My friend Kate recently gave me some slightly heavier paints for Christmas, which I find much more intimidating because they cover the words, which is, I don't know, something very strange about that. But I think I will keep the book. I'm a person who keeps books, which I know that sounds very counterintuitive as a person who's just talks. 20 minutes about drawing and books, but I'm a big book person and I have like big wall of bookshelves and it's filled with books and every now and then I'll like go through and get rid of some, but for the most part, I, I keep a lot of books. So I think I would keep this one in a way that I keep my journals because I've, I've always been a journaler and keep it with those and probably not go back to it unless I really wanted to feel some kind of cringy embarrassment. <laughs>
0: And this is not something you have an, an incredible newsletter, which we'll get to. Um, and this is not something that you've necessarily talked about in the newsletter. So if it seems like you're kind of keeping it to yourself before this episode. Before this episode. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the cat will be out of the bag and I guess I'll talk about it then. I think it's because there has been like a whole conversation about keeping your hobbies, your hobbies. Right. And not that I, again, I'm not, a talented artist and the things that I'm doing are not what anybody would want to buy, but I want to keep it a hobby. It's also like, I don't know, kind of embarrassing to not be good at a thing. And I am not used to not being good at a thing and doing it all the time. I'm very much, it's probably one of my worst traits. Actually, if I'm not good at a thing, I don't want to do it and I'm going to stop it pretty quickly. So, you know, I've stuck with this for a while now and I'm, I'm very proud of myself in that regard because I, I am in the shortest sense of the word. like I'm a quitter I don't like to do
0: things that I'm not good at <laughs> mm. me too I recently started trying to learn how to crochet and I just bought this really cheap like bundle kit from Etsy and I think the yarn is obviously just really cheap and not good and it keeps getting like caught and it's just not a smooth thing or whatever and i'm like i'm very frustrated i don't i don't even want to do anything major with it i just want to crochet my own blanket and then i'll probably stop you know like that's it i don't even want to like make baby blankets or anything for anybody but i'm not good at it and i'm and i'm trying to figure out do i just give this up or do i try to get better quality yarn or like what like i just i'm very frustrated with myself because i don't want to give up but also I want it to be good.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You want to make an incredible blanket from the onset. Yes. I mean, that's, that's my, how I work. I'm like, well, I'm going to start this now and it's going to be the greatest blanket that anybody has ever made, obviously. Yes. Like I know how to do this immediately and I'm very good at it immediately. And I've mastered this immediately, which is ridiculous and obviously does not make any sense, but you know, our brains work the way they work.
0: Yeah. Uh, so are you painting like every night? Like, did you look at this book and say, oh, it has 90 pages in it. So this is going to take me three months to go through.
1: You would think that I would do that. <laughs> yeah. And I have not It's I, I paint when there's time right now, this child's going through some sort of sleep regression where she doesn't want to let us leave the room at night. So evenings have been challenging. Mm-hmm. So it's whenever I can fit it in. And you know, and I'll do a couple pages here and there. I definitely don't have a lot of weekend time when I'm with her because she's all up in my business. Like she doesn't even <laughs> let me go to the bathroom by myself. She's not gonna let me paint. <laughs> so <laughs> it's very I guess slow going. Sometimes I look at it and I'm like, oh, it's really full. But then other times I'm like,
0: this is a nice and slow process, and it's okay. And how do you let the pages dry? Do you just leave it open? Do you put something like a weight on one side to make sure it stays open?
1: I usually use a little paint container the one that holds all the watercolors to hold it open but because sometimes I'll do like a page or two like it'll sort of just the way it balances will kind of leave one page up a little bit and you know it gets crinkly it's like when you wet a book like now it's getting thick the book is getting really fat yeah (laughs) and and so I have to like go over some basics with Kate on how to make sure this book doesn't explode from all of the like waterlog inflicting (laughs) upon it
0: (laughs) um and so when you keep this book, are you going to try to display it like in your own personal little corner of your bedroom or something like that? Oh my gosh, no. Well, mostly
1: because then people are going to like look at it and they're like, what is happening? Here? Have you had a mental breakdown? Why are you color again? Book, what even is this book? Probably not. I, I think it'll just like, it'll live on my bookshelf and be sort of indistinguishable from other books. Um, And since now nobody goes anywhere and nobody sees anybody, nobody would be all up in the
0: bush. Uh, I was looking on Etsy, uh, which is something, you know, since the pandemic, I've really been looking at Etsy. And um, I guess this is my way of supporting small businesses and people who are kind of like, you know, looking to supplement their incomes in different ways uh, in the last couple of years because of the pandemic and stuff. And also, I don't know, I like homemade goods you know, I like little things that people have have put some love and thought into. But every time I stumble across a shop where they have taken books and created like art out of them in some kind of way, like they've ripped out the pages and made a beautiful flower or something like that. I'm like, oh, that's really lovely. But also, what are you doing with this book? (laughs) No, Nicole, I know. I mean, it's unfathomable in a way that
1: is is a little, it's going to be surprising for many of my friends to know about this. Like my mom loves to talk about how I was a kid who brought books to parties and to, I used to bring a book outside to recess and like at the playground, I would sit and read a book. Like I'm like a book, nerd. I'm more the same. Like, we're yeah, book yeah, yeah. And I'm very careful with my books and you know, I keep very close track of who borrows my books. And I've, I stopped many years ago, loaning out my books. Yes. I only loan out on extras and I'm a collector, <laughs> you know, like it, I love books. And so it is very contrarian to my personality to do this. And and I've always had the same feeling that you have. Like, I can't believe people are cutting this up. But I think that for me, it's also like a little bit of letting go of objects mm. in a way. Um, I, I thought I was going to be much more tense about my kid destroying stuff because toddlers are very destructive. And in the early days of her toddlerdom, you know, she like ripped a book and I, in my head, I was like, oh my God, oh my God, I can't believe she just did this. And I was like, but she's a toddler. So I'm just going to tape this book up and it's going to be fine. And she's going to read it the same way. And I would say like a little bit of that has creeped into my own mind that things are mostly replaceable or fixable. And it's not like the things that are so precious. And, and again, like this is all very like muddled in my head because obviously I have things in my life that I, I find very precious, but like in the end, they're just things. So you know, I'm trying to, trying to let things go in different and new ways now that I'm in my forties.
0: <laughs> that was uh, a part of my next question is asking how has painting in the book affected your life away from it, like your professional life or even um, personal interactions and things like that. And that learning to let go of the things that, you know, not to say they don't matter, but maybe don't have as much weight as you once thought they did. Yeah, it's
1: interesting. I hadn't thought about it. And now i just said this and i just made this connection in my head, which is that I've been much better, I think, in the last year or so uh, at taking things less personally at, at my day job. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I produce photography um as my day job. And like, you know, everybody has different opinions. And so, you know, if somebody's like, oh, you know, I wish this had been on a blue background or whatever, like I feel like for much of my career I would always like really take that personally. Like it was a personal attack on me. And I feel like in the last year I've been not consciously working on it, but like aware of the fact that I've sort of let some of that personal attack feeling go away. Um, And I don't know if that's just, I'm now like 16 years into this career or the pandemic has made me realize like, oh, maybe it kind of doesn't matter if we don't agree on the color background or whatever. Because then recently I was talking about the painting with my friend Kate. I was just like, I can't believe how like open I've become at doing this and just like having some patience and like not caring about what it looks like on page in terms of like does this look beautiful? Like, does this look like what it's supposed to look like? Cause I'm not drawing objects. And I just feel like I have been able to let go in a way and, and maybe I'm not sure. It's like, it might be a chicken and egg situation, which mm-hmm. came first.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So let me ask you this. How does painting, especially as a newbie, differ from when you were first getting into photography? And then how do you figure now that you're a little bit more settled into painting and letting go? Is that also comparable to how you learn to grow as a photographer? Well, I should say that, you know,
1: professionally, I'm not a photographer, right? I work with photography professionally. And so the real main difference, obviously, is that one is my job and and I treat it as such. Whereas when I look at art and um and other other artists like I'm an artist hilarious when I look at artists in this medium or any sort of medium that's not photography I'm still looking at them for fun and while I I can enjoy photography and I do enjoy photography like in the before times like you know galleries and museums and now it's all on Instagram but there's always a part of me on the inside that's thinking about how that photography like could fit into my work life like Could that be a photographer who I could assign? Is that a photo that I would use as a reference? Whereas with paintings and all that kind of art, it's just more fun still because there's not the added work part of it. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Okay. Yeah.
0: Because this is, I mean, like one of the reasons that I started the podcast is because all the things that I did for fun. I had made a job some kind of way, right? Mm-hmm. And so even when I was enjoying watching Frasier, something that I have been watching for 25, 30 years now, I was still, like at a certain point, it, I would start thinking, huh, how can I write an essay about my love of Frasier? You know, and that kind of thing. And I was like removing the pleasure because I was trying to make it into a job. But when you're looking at painting, it's strictly the pleasure of it all yeah. for you. Yeah, and you
1: know, for the most... Part photography is still very much a pleasurable thing for me to look at. It just it will always be tinged with work in Mm. my
0: current life. So when you're trying to find time and obviously life happens and things get in the way, do you ever feel a little Jones like, oh, I haven't painted in three days. I need to make sure I carve time out today.
1: I do. I do feel a little bit like I want to get back to that brain space. And I do start to get a little bit like itchy about it. Like, oh, I, I need that mental space and that like empty brain time just to like not be doing a hundred million other things
0: and not be thinking about 400 other
1: thousand things so
0: yeah i do and about how much time does it take you to to paint a page
1: i'll do about like a half hour session sometimes if i go really hard on the saturation it's like two, i can do like two pages because i have to really let them dry And I've sort of tried to figure out ways around it and like, what if I put a piece of cardboard and then I can do another thing? But none of those things seem to be particularly working. It's a sign to just like wait to let it dry. Mm -hmm. Um, And then sometimes I'll just go really light handed with it and I can do like four pages or five pages. Mm -hmm.
0: And can you give more of an example of like, this is my brain before I paint and this is my brain after I paint? Oh
1: yeah. So before I paint, it's like, okay, did I take out the meatballs for Ziti to eat tomorrow? And what are the three things that I haven't replied to in my inbox because I keep inbox zero. So if I have three emails, that means I have to do three things that I haven't done yet. And what is that email that I didn't send today that I have to send today? And, oh, I have to pick up that laundry and drop off the other laundry. And also, did I forget to go to the bank because it was really cold and I didn't go that way and I forgot to go in the other direction. And, oh, actually, she also just ran out of grapes. So I probably go buy some more fruit that's before and I'll be like thinking these things and gathering up all my supplies and then I'll just sit down and typically I'll have like a tv show on in the background or occasionally a podcast sometimes <laughs> one and and then it's just like gone I'm just like oh that pink is beautiful and I've I've been really successful at stopping the flow of like here are all the things you need to do. And I just like really, really focus. Like in my head, I'm like, I'm Bob Ross. Look at how cool I am. I'm going to do a happy little tree, but not a tree. (laughs) Like I really like get into this little, like in my head, I'm a little painter, but like without the talent, like I just want to be super, super clear that I like do not come to me for your painting needs, people. (laughs) Not not a talent,
0: it's a hobby. (laughs) But even when you are um, taking the picture to send to your friend, Kate, um, does your photographer, your, your photo editor brain come into play then? Yeah,
1: it's immediately over. The second I try to take a picture, my brain is like, okay, let's get back to this. Is this the right angle? The lighting is not good in here. Maybe you should wait till it's daytime. No, it's immediately over. Like it, this is so specific to the painting. <laughs>
0: it's so bad. I just really love that. I love that you have this like stopgap, you know, in your life that just like everything is blocked. You know, it's just like blocking all of the uh, intrusive thoughts, all of the to-do tasks, all of like life. And then you just kind of like, okay.
1: It's my own form of meditation, honestly. And I've never been good at meditating. Like, meditating is, is not my thing.
0: Yeah, me either. I can't, I, even when I'm, like, at the end of the day and I'm just trying to, like, go through my little gratitude moments and stuff like that, I start thinking about TV shows. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I see, You know, like, it's just saying. Maybe. <laughs> Oh my goodness. This is so lovely. I love this idea. Thank you for coming on the show to talk to me about it. you for having me. I'm so honored to be here with you. And
1: you're, this is my first podcast.
0: Oh, I love that. Thank you. (laughs) I'm honored. Um, Where can listeners find you, uh, especially your newsletter, which is my favorite newsletter?
1: (laughs) Thank you. Um, You can find me at Leave It to Lenore, and that's L-E-O-N-O-R, on Instagram and on Twitter and uh, at Tiny Letter. And my newsletter comes out every Thursday morning before noon, like clockwork.
0: (laughs) And this newsletter is so good, and it is, uh, I don't want to say intense, but it is thorough because there's like, do you need books? Do you need movies? Do you need TV shows? Do you need articles? Do you need personal essays? Do you need gifs? Do you need memes? Like, it's everything. Whatever is your pop culture love language is in this newsletter. Thank you so much. This was so delightful. I loved it. Thank you. Thanks, Nicole. Time for today's indulgence, something you can enjoy guilt-free because there is no such thing as a guilty pleasure. The current hot beauty trend is gua sha, an ancient Chinese therapy treatment that involves massaging your body using a really smooth tool to help improve blood circulation. You can do it all over your body, but right now everyone is getting into it in order to smooth out facial puffiness and to get rid of double chins and to put all these angles on their faces where there's like roundness, right? Beauty is such a fraught thing, especially as we adapt or appropriate certain cultural traditions. I encourage you to look up the practice and see if it's for you, but what I love about using my jade roller is how it eases the tension in my jaw when I'm clenching my teeth from stress. I turned one of my deli drawers in my refrigerator into my beauty drawer, and I keep two jade rollers, a flat gua sha tool, some sheet masks, and some eye masks in it. When I realize that I have been holding my jaw too tightly or when my TMJ is acting up, I pull out the jade roller and I roll it along my jawline. The cold is very soothing and it just makes my tension melt away. It also does help me with my eye puffiness, especially when I've had a rough night of insomnia or when my cat Calliope decides to sleep with her butt in my face, activating all of my allergies. Will this practice help sharpen your face and make it look less fat, which is the real, you know, thing behind the current trend? I do not know. I am not a professional. I can't tell you anything about that. But it makes me feel good, especially when my jaw is hurting. So do your research. And if it seems like a jade roller or something similar will work for you, do it. Beauty can and should feel good. This has been your indulgence. You have been absolved. This is Good For You is hosted by me, Nicole Perkins, and produced by Multitude. Our lead producer is Eric Silver. Our editor is Misha Stanton. And our executive producers are Amanda McLaughlin and me. Our theme was created by Don Will, and our art is by Jessica E. Boyd. You can follow the show at This Is Good Pod, and you can follow me at Tennessee Whiskey Woman. That's T-N, whiskey with an E, woman. And a huge, huge thank you to everyone who supports the show on Patreon, especially to our supporting producer-level patrons Chelsea, Conchetta, Courtney, Elizabeth, and Mira. To get exclusive rewards like stickers, monthly playlists curated by me, and even custom drabbles written just for you, Join us for as little as $5 a month at patreon.com slash thisisgoodpod. This was good for me. Was it good for you?